Welcome to Rounding Down the Little Atoms and Bad Person Podcast. Dares ask what is good, what is bad, and shoot the Atoms and Bad Person in question. I'm joined as usual by my co-host. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm not joined as usual by my co-host. I got bad news, and the bad news is this. We didn't record this week. Everyone's still in that holiday hangover. So, Sai and I didn't get our shit together. But we have a streak going. As you know, Rounding Down never misses a week. We're going on in year four of this bullshit for some reason. I, why? I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't. Do I enjoy doing it? I guess. Yeah, no, I guess I enjoy doing it. But is it a lot of work to do a podcast? No. I think characterizing it as a lot of work makes you sound like a little bitch. It's fine. It's a fine amount of work. It's not that big a deal. But scheduling and getting everything together can be a pain in the ass. And constantly being up against the clock is maybe not anyone's idea of a good time. So, like Cal Ripken, who has that Iron Man streak for most baseball games played that will never be broken, this is me showing up to keep a streak alive. That's literally mostly the only reason. I may have a couple topics to talk about, but this will be a short episode. I'll keep it short and sweet. I will just talk at you. It's just you and I, Chid, and you, whoever you are right now. And you think Cal Ripken, like, I'm sure during that time there were days where he had a sinus infection. There were days when... He just really fucking hated his, his third baseman before he switched to third base. There were days when he was like, I don't feel like playing shortstop today. I'm just going to be a designated hitter and go strike out three times and hit like a gap single, bat 250 for the day. And that's what this is. I'm just going to bat 250 for the day. That's all I'm trying to do. Just hit 250. Stay alive. In that spirit, I hope everyone's new year has gone well. It's It's been an interesting year so far. Still quiet on the work front. I think we're still settling into the year and what is happening. And yeah, over the break, I saw some movies. So I would like to discuss a couple of films. First, I saw the movie The Iron Claw. Maybe you've heard of it. It is a Zac Efron joint, as they say. He plays one of the Von Erich brothers. He's the oldest one, David, I think. And then you got the bear playing Carrie, a.k.a. Texas Tornado, as I knew him. And you got a couple other dudes playing two of the other brothers. And then there's a brother they didn't include in the movie because his story would be too sad. And it would make the movie like three and a half hours long, probably. So uh, structurally a movie very similar to uh, the Scorsese movie, The Killers of the Flower Moon. You're basically just waiting for disaster to happen the whole time. Um, That said, though, I love that it featured uh, Agent Bill Tench as the dad as Fritz von Erich. Uh, you know how I feel about Agent Bill Tench. I'm a big fan of his. Fincher also said, apparently this week, that that uh, show might come back, the B- Bill Tench show. That's what I call it. I call it the Bill Tench BTK show, and it might come back to Netflix, so who knows? Hey, that, that would be exciting. Um, but yeah, the Iron Claw, uh, what can I say? A real depressing film. I think it felt like it didn't maybe do as much as I would have liked it to. I don't think it got super deep into anything individually, uh, into any of the brothers' stories, really. Um, Zac Efron was good in it. I, I don't know that uh, I would say it was bad. I also wouldn't say it was... I, I don't know, but I keep thinking about it. Like, I saw probably six movies or something over the holiday break, and this is the one that I keep thinking about for whatever reason. So that means something, right? I think uh, the director, he made uh, another movie that a lot of people really like. That uh, Matthew, Modine, Marley, Marlena, or, or whatever it's called. And uh, Sean Durkin is the director. But yeah, it, w- it was interesting. It was an interesting movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend seeing it. Really good performances. The wrestling stuff, I think they mostly get right. In the sense that like the wrestling looks pretty good. There's a lot of 
people talking online about how they hated how Ric Flair was cast. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I think that that's a stupid take. Like, no one's gonna look like young Ric Flair. That guy was a one of one for one. And yeah, the guy that they cast it looks insane. Um, but he's like performing a like Halloween costume store version of a Ric Flair performance. So if that's your complaint, then sure, I, I get it. Maybe they didn't need to give him like his own monologue. Maybe they could have trimmed that. Um, but there was a lot of people being like, that guy doesn't look like Ric Flair or, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, who gives a shit? No one, no one looks like anyone. I mean, it's fine. I, I think that that's like the most hollow criticism of any movie. I know Bill Simmons was like, Carrie Von Erich was 6'4", or whatever. The guy who played him was only 5'4". Like, Bill Simmons has a real problem with people's heights. I don't. He always does that. It's such a stupid criticism. Um, so, who cares? I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's fine. Ultimately, a pretty good movie. The, there's a scene at the end, spoiler, where it goes into, like, something... Uh, I don't I even spell it out specifically, but there's a scene near the end of the movie where it's, like, particularly saccharine, and I was like, oh, no... Uh, which I don't think was the common reaction that people had. But then I saw that that essentially is not like the storytelling that's like in the mind of David. So I was okay with that. But yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. Iron Claw, worth watching. Uh, Zach Efron, pretty good. Um, I think that the only like downside is I think it has a lot of interesting themes and I think it does a little bit more telling than showing on some of those themes. Like it ends with the sun... One of the sons of David talking about essentially toxic masculinity and uh, it's like very handholdy. I think there's a, there's a way that it eh, is a coda. feels like maybe they didn't completely hit that point throughout the movie. Anyway, uh, that's the Iron Claw. Uh, I also saw Ferrari, the Michael Mann joint. Michael Mann, I got to say, I've had a weird viewing experience with him where the three movies of his I've seen in theaters now are Collateral. Uh, the fucking Johnny Depp, John Dillinger one, what's that called? Undisputed, infamous, something stupid like that. And now Ferrari. So I I can't say that I've seen like his masterpieces in theaters. Like I didn't see Heat in theaters. I would have been nine. I didn't see Thief in theaters. I would have been not born yet, uh, I think. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't see, you know, some of his great, I didn't see Inside Man or the, the cigarette smoking one. Um, in theaters, but Ferrari was interesting. I, this is another one where a lot of the criticism initially was like, why is Adam Driver playing an Italian man? He looks Italian. It's fine. Like, I, I don't know what that, it seems like a dumb criticism. Like I believed him in that role. He's a good actor. I I think he's a very good actor. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think his performance was good. Is it an Oscar worthy performance? I don't know about that, but I thought his performance was good. I think he was very believable in the role as Enzo Ferrari. Um, and it's also weird to pick on him. It's like, he's not actually Italian. Why is he playing an Italian man? It's like, well, Penelope Cruz is not Italian. You know, she's playing an Italian woman. But more to the point, Shailene Woodley is playing an Italian woman. And dear God, is she... I said on Twitter, like, I don't find her believable as someone who's ever eaten a slice of pizza, let alone a woman from Italy. So, like, yeah, they try to, like, make her hair and style and everything look Italian. She does not look or read as Italian and never will. Never, ever, ever. That's the weird casting choice for me. Like, she plays his mistress that he's in love with. And anyway, Ferrari, interesting film. I think that the... I always ask the question, like, why is this filmmaker making this movie? And why are they making this movie now? And Michael Mann seemed like he was, like, mostly retired for a while there. Because I don't think he's made a movie in, like, 8 to 12 years. And it, largely it's a movie about someone who seems like he's past his prime. 
right? Like you could argue it's a movie about someone who is like godlike and better than everyone around him. And everyone is reliant on him for their like living and the town is reliant on him. Um, but he keeps fucking up basically. That's like kind of what the movie is. And it's an interesting character study. It's an interesting story to tell at this point in Michael Mann's life and uh, career. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if he feels like he's Enzo Ferrari or he sees some of himself in him. It is adapted from a book, and it like focuses very specifically on. So it's not like a it's not a biopic of Enzo Ferrari, which is good. I was worried that it might be that, but it's really not. It basically focuses on uh, the post World War II period where uh, Ferrari, the racing team, is Ferrari. The company is like going out of business. Is no longer really solvent. They're mostly making money from selling cars, but they don't mass produce cars at this point. Like at one point, I think they said they only made like 90 cars the year before to sell. And they're selling cars at a very high price to like kings and royalty from the rest of Europe. So um, one of the things in the movie is Enzo Ferrari is like, we don't race to sell cars. We sell cars so we can race. So his perspective is the inverse of like what Maserati was doing or Ford or the other companies that were involved in in racing at the time. Um, so it becomes important. Like it, it basically like gets down to like... Uh, a sports movie at the end where there's a big race and they need to win the big race to stay solvent allegedly. And that kind of settles itself. But, um, but the interesting thing about it, like saying all of that, that none of that is that intriguing. The interesting thing about the movie is it takes place one year after, uh, Enzo Ferrari's son died at like age 24 of, I think muscular dystrophy. And so his relationship with his wife, Laura, I believe, uh, played by Penelope Cruz is very strained. And, um, like, she also sees him as godlike, but he has failed her, and he's, like, been cheating on her for 12 years and has a secret other son with his mistress, Shailene Woodley, and the wife doesn't know about it, but, like, everyone else in Italy seemingly knows about it. Anyway, it's a whole thing, but um, I say all this because the movie sounds, when I say it like that, it sounds kind of boring. It's a good movie. It's a pretty captivating film. I don't get all the hate for it. I don't think that it's great, but it's it's certainly not, like, a... It's certainly not a one-star film either. Like, I was concerned it was going to be a real piece of shit. But it's, it's not. It's not like a... It's not a disaster by any means. It's very captivating. And it's, like, it's pretty tight. I think it's only, like, two hours or so. Um, so it's not uh, super bloated. and It doesn't drag. When it gets to the race, the race is, like, very visually captivating. And they really shot it in, um, in Modena, Italy. So, like, it's really pretty. It's a nice movie to look at. The, the scenery is great. Uh, great cinematography. Like, all the things are from Michael Mann. So yeah, I don't know. Worth seeing. An interesting film. Uh, one that, again, Adam Driver, good. I think he's a great actor in general. I, I thought he played very well. He was very believable. He's a middle-aged Italian man. Um, he aged up to like, he's supposed to be like 56 or something in that. And it seemed believable. I don't know. I, I think he's a good actor. I think that like the if he were a lesser actor, I think the movie would be bad. But, um, but yeah, it works. I don't know. It, it works as a movie. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed it was a good time. When I went into the theater, I sat down and it, I booked. There was like one other person in the theater who was like four rows ahead of me, and it, I was at an AMC, so I booked my seat and I booked like four rows behind that person because I didn't want to like crowd them in a theater of two people. And then I sit down, and there's only one row or two rows behind me, and a group of like six high school or college age boys comes in loudly, and they're like fucking around, and it's like right at the end of the trailers. And they sit down and they're all like on their phones, fucking around, being loud, being high school. Um, I was like, great, great, great. I didn't extend that same curve. Um, so I, I just got up and was eight rows, far left side of the theater. It was a good time. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. Like in an empty theater, they could talk as loud as they wanted. That movie's so fucking loud. It, it did not matter uh, once that moved. But um, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. The only thing that was funny about that group of boys is there's like the racing scene near the end of the movie. Uh, and that has like a real twist in it that you don't expect. I, I won't say. But those kids like just straight up all left after the racing scene. <laughs> just, there's like still all the like character intrigue is, is unresolved at that point. But they took off. Um, which is funny. So, uh, I don't know. I was like, maybe these dudes are just like big motorheads. They just wanted to see the cars and wanted to see the race. And then they got the fuck out of there. Uh, so, that was Ferrari. Uh, the uh, other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, the college football playoff happened. Um, look, I'm not going to sit here and argue that Florida State sucks shit and they're terrible. Obviously, they had like most of their starters not playing, uh, including their quarterback. So, they got absolutely smoked by Georgia. It does suck this year in the playoffs. Like... I firmly believe that Georgia would have defeated Texas pretty handily. Um, I think Georgia probably would have also, uh, yeah, I think they would have defeated Washington too, probably. But, you know, such is life. Things happen, whatever. Um, the college football playoff, the four game, the or sorry, the two games, the four teams, was, were both very compelling games. Enjoyed both of them. It was interesting to see Michigan try to choke it away, but ultimately prevail. Um and yeah, and the other game was a shootout. Like Washington was good. Uh, they were great. I don't know. I enjoyed watching it. But the thing that I want to comment on is before the playoff, there was a lot of talk about like Michael Penix being a second or third round draft pick. That were, there was a lot of like people talking like that. Like there was a lot of like, oh, first round draft picks, you know, for sure. We got uh, Caleb Williams. We got what's his name from North Carolina, but uh, Drake May. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of like talk about like because of his injury history or whatever, Penix maybe being a second rounder or maybe even a third rounder. There's a lot of talk about Bo Nix maybe also being like a second, maybe a third rounder. Jaden Daniels before the Heisman was like maybe a second rounder. And now it seems like the the thing that's funny that happens is you go through the college football playoff and it's, I, I don't know. I know that like NFL teams and scouting teams and everything don't only watch the college football playoff. I'm not an idiot. Like I, I know that they have dudes who are in re- recruiting or in uh their scouting departments or whatever that like watch everything. But it is very funny that like someone has a great game in one game. Like Penix looked fucking great in that game. He's made some amazing throws. The guy's got a crazy ass arm. The way he flings it is like his mechanics are beautiful. Um, so he has like one great game on the, on the biggest stage. And then suddenly everyone's like, Oh, maybe this guy is the guy. It, it is weird how that happens. Cause now suddenly it's like, Oh, he's going to be a first round pick. He could go in the top five. <laughs> like it seemed like his stock completely changed. Uh, going from a guy who had, had I think, three different season-ending injuries, you know, in his 26 or whatever already, uh, 24 already, and uh, going from a projected second-rounder to a, like, first-rounder that now everyone uh, wants to get their grubby little hands on. Um, it, it is a it's a, f- a funny thing how that happens. And I think, I don't know, the same thing sort of, I get it to an extent, because I think, like, C.J. Stroud, I was kind of always like, ah, he's an Ohio State quarterback, whatever. I don't watch Ohio State every week. I have no... Horse in that race, don't give a fuck about uh, Ohio State or Michigan or whatever. Uh, don't care about uh, that conference. Uh, and I don't, I'm, you know, I'm a casual college football fan anyway. I don't really care about any conference. Um, but when I watched him play Georgia last year, I was like, oh, this guy's great. Like, he's legitimately great. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. Seems like a winner. Like, I, I made a tweet to that effect where I really believed in him uh, coming out of that game. Um, and he's been great this year. You know, I don't, who knows how the rest of his career goes, but he's been very good uh, with the Texans as a rookie. So it seems like he has it for whatever reason. And maybe Penix is the same thing. Like, maybe that's the thing that's going to keep happening is, like, guys who rise to the occasion of the biggest stage, especially against, like, decent teams, uh, are maybe worth taking a second look at. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's the funny thing. And then the the big thing, like I do before um, before that game, like the talk was like a Dunze would probably be a late first round pick, and there's like Penix maybe be second round, or whatever. I do wonder if there's a team. I don't know who it would be, but if someone might just want to try to stack those two dudes and give up some draft capital or whatever the fuck, if you can get uh, Penix in the top whatever six or whenever he might go now, and you can get a Dunze at the bottom of the first round. I wonder if there's a team that will try to put those two together again. Um, I can think of a few teams that have a real dearth of talent in pass catchers uh, and need a quarterback. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would be that would be quite the swing for a team to take. Like a team like Arizona, for example, could probably do that. I don't think they're going to. They're, they're probably going to stick with Kyler Murray, but uh, I think that would solve two big problems. For, um, yeah, or like, you know, potentially there, there are other teams, Seattle, uh, uh, Chicago, perhaps, or, you know. There's other teams that could that could swing a deal like that. Like Chicago could definitely do it because they could also if they if they want a new quarterback they could trade Fields and uh, late for uh, in order to make that happen. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we saw it with like the Jamar Chase and the uh, Burrow thing. Like you stack guys who are college teammates who already have a good rapport, and good chemistry. That makes a difference, right? Especially if like uh, you're they're coming into an offense that's already kind of floundering or doesn't have any fucking chemistry at all. Um, who knows? So, you know, I'd say that'd be a great fit for Denver, but they're, they're not big at the top of that first round. I mean. um, so, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on, on Penix. I, I think he'll be good. I, I guess I'm, I'm weighing in now. Penix looks like he has the arm talent uh, to be a good NFL player. Um, and then finally, like last topic for me for today, I uh, had a great betting week last weekend. I've never had a betting week like this where I was winning on everything. I uh, had Georgia, like basically I already had Georgia beating Florida state before I knew all of Florida state's starters were sitting. And then when I saw that, I was like, okay, well I'm taking them. The line cannot be high enough in this game. Cause the line was like 20 and a half. It wasn't, you know, that line could have been 40 and I would have still probably taken it. Um, and the thing that happens in college football, it's a little different in pro football, but in college football, like when a team just does not fucking show up at all, like you can tell in the first quarter, there's like no comebacks in college football, right? Especially a situation like that. Like uh, that game was, I think it was 63 to three or something. And it, it that score doesn't reflect the reality of the game. Like Georgia, if they wanted to, could have won that game 100. Um, so, you know, it, it was uh, not even a close game. So during like to do live betting, I jumped on like the first half total. I jumped on the over for the second half. I jumped, I jumped on like everything and I hit all of them. Like I just kept winning. Um so it was really fun. I enjoyed it. And so I'll give out some of my picks for this weekend. Uh, a couple uh, quick ones. One thing I uh, love to do is I love to go uh, against whatever um, Bill Simmons does. So uh, here, here's one that is an anti-Bill Simmons pick because I, I listen to his picks and I like to I like to just flip them. Um, so I'm trying to find it. Placed it. Okay. Here's a five-leg parlay. It's uh, plus 1727 right now. Uh, I have the Texans money line, so Texans beating the Colts. The Patriots minus one and a half over the Jets. Um, Belichick's probably final game with the Patriots for what seemed like very stupid reasons. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck crafts do. Anyway, uh, the Lions uh, minus three over the Vikings. The Bills minus two and a half over the Dolphins and the Michigan money line. So that all together, that's a five-leg parlay. It's plus 1727. Uh, you put uh, $10 on that, that's $180. Uh, not bad. Uh, I also have um, one that is interesting. Okay, so this is the anti-Bill Simmons bet. This is the inverse of everything he bet. I hit on my anti-Bill Simmons bet last week. 
so I took the Vikings plus three. There's a five-leg five parlay. Vikings plus three over the Lions. The Falcons plus three over the Saints. The Jets plus one and a half over the Patriots. The Seahawks giving three to the Cardinals. And the Packers giving three to the Bears. So, like, Simmons went heavy into how great the Bears are going to play against the Packers. The Packers have a terrible defense, blah, blah, blah. He's right that the Packers have a terrible defense. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. If you just pile all those up, that is a plus 2651. So, uh, plus 2651. Uh, $10 on that gives you 200 So, uh, maybe a, a decent bet if you want to throw a dollar on it for 27 bucks. Not bad. Or, even if you're me, you want to throw 50 cents on it for uh, $13.5. dollars um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like that one. And yeah, I, I think uh, you can probably parlay a lot of games this weekend if you are interested in doing like the quarter nickel dime betting. Um, but my other picks are all involved like interesting things from uh, like taking like I have one where I have uh, the Lions, the Patriots giving one and a half uh, and Washington plus four and a half in the college cha- national championship. Like you can like compile those. I like to kind of try to middle uh, with these low-cost bets where I have, like, some where I'm taking the mid Washington to the points. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think uh, it's good. It's good stuff. It should be fun. should be some fun games this weekend. And uh, Monday, it will be great. All the coaches are going to get fired. It'll be hysterical to watch uh, some of these teams just after one bad season get rid of a Hall of Fame coach, potentially the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. It'll, it'll be really uh, interesting in the NFL narratives world. Anyway, that's this week's show. I hope next week, Cy, will be back. We'll be back to our normally regularly scheduled bullshit. I hope everyone has a great, uh, had a great first week of January. If you're still out there doing anything interesting or uh, looking for interesting music recs, uh, I think I gave Kerosene Heights uh, a plug a couple weeks ago. I'm also going to plug the, for me this week, um, I'm going to plug specifically the... Last song on the Mansions record, Tough Luff, Ice Age. Going into the first song on the Hold Studies new record, Grand Junction. It's a great transition. Uh, just listen to those two songs in a row. You'll be like, oh, damn, good transition. Shit really knows what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to like sort through all the records I listened to uh, and missed from last year. There's still a lot of stuff I want to get into. Um, but yeah, I found some good stuff. I also like went back to a couple... Like, I never listened to the Fucked Up record, uh, and and I find that latest Fucked Up record. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's been a treat. I uh, wish you all a great and wonderful weekend here. Have fun watching the football. And as always, fuck you. See you later. Rounding Down is created by Chip. Produced by Chip Side. Music by Corey Major. Artwork by Sean Harris. This was a Buzzcast Network production. Wow.